0: For anybody running a vacation rental property or a property management company, you should know how important it is to evaluate the performance of your business. It will tell you about the profitability of it. It will tell you if you can hire more staff or if you can buy another property. However, many people don't do this. And I saw recently a blog post by Marcus Rader from Hostaway that talked about key performance indicators and how we use these to evaluate our business performance. Interesting conversation. It's something we all need to know about making our businesses work more effectively and efficiently. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, I'm delighted to be back with you again, enjoying the Gulf Coast, Alabama, still, will be here for another, oh, almost another two months and not heading home until April. It's absolutely wonderful. I'm enjoying every single minute of it. There have been some frosty mornings, which have been a bit of a jerk back to reality. But you know, they they come, they go, and usually frosty mornings are replaced by warm, sunny afternoons. So it is very nice. I don't envy my family, friends, etc., who have to remain back home in snowy Ontario. But hey, we all have to do what we have to do, and I'll look forward to seeing everybody again when I get home. So talking about being away from Canada, my guest today is also away from his current home in Toronto. He's down in Florida from where he is joining me. His name is Marcus Rader, and he's the founder of Hostaway, which is a property management software platform. But today he's joining me to talk about KPIs. Key performance indicators, if you have no idea what that acronym is. And KPIs can help measure different aspects of your business performance. We should all be measuring how we're doing. We should be measuring, if we're a property manager, we should be measuring what our most High performing properties are. We should look at our daily average daily rates. We should be looking at our seasonality. Just so many different things that we need to measure, you know, along with occupancy rates. There's marketing and advertising costs, average length of stay, you know, over the course of a year. That's something that we really haven't done. We haven't been looking at our average length of stay since we started renting more out into the off-season months. Revenue growth over time. You know, I talk about all the time about knowing where you're going to end up when you start. So, having an exit strategy and understanding your revenue growth is really important to that. It's a year-on-year measurement that tells you what your trajectory is. So, if you're not measuring this then you're really missing out on something and you know as as we we've discussed before about an exit strategy these are the things that a buyer you know if you're selling your company it's the things that a buyer will want to know so i saw a blog post on the hostaway website That was titled, How Can You Use Property Management KPIs for Your Vacation Rental Business? And I devoured this, shared it with my management team. And we do measure most of these things that um, Marcus mentioned in this blog post, but some we don't. So it was really interesting to take this apart a little bit and work out how we could operate some of these KPIs within our business. So I wanted to invite Marcus on to the show to share his his wisdom and knowledge of using KPIs. Also to learn a little bit about what got him from Finland, which is where he's from, to Toronto, where he currently lives, or actually to Florida, where he currently lives, because he's, I guess, just as much of a snowbird or digital nomad as I am. So without further ado, let's move on over to my interview with Marcus Rader. So I'm super happy to have with me today Marcus Rader from HostAway and we're going to hear all about key performance indicators because as I said in the introduction, this was a great blog post I saw on the HostAway site and it really fired me up. I shared it with my team and some of them are still a little bit lost as to what I'm actually meaning by key performance indicators, so I invited Marcus to come along and demystify this whole concept of evaluating the performance of our business. So welcome, Marcus. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Well, thank you so much for, uh, for having me as well. It's a pleasure to finally be on here.
0: I I know, I know. And, you know, we've sort of crossed paths in so many different places, but I don't think we've actually face-to-face met and until now. And for those of you who are listening on the podcast, we are on zoom. So we're sort of face-to-face meeting.
1: Yeah. And that's great.
0: And And you are from well I so say you're not from Southern Ontario, but that's where you're living at the moment, and I suppose me yes I, yeah I'm I'm from UK, but that's where I'm living. so always good to talk to a uh, a fellow Ontario resident, but you're not there right now, right?
1: No, no, I'm sitting here on the on the Gulf shores of southern Florida where I, I spend this winter because I spent the last two winters in Ontario and when you have a small child. Especially if you happen to be in downtown Toronto, which was shut down more than, than other places. You don't want to do that for three years in a row. It's, it's physically impossible.
0: When I came over from England, you know, um, I absolutely loved it. It's like winter, snow, it's so pretty. And then after about two winters, that that changed slightly, but I... I stuck it out for another 10 years or so before we started to go away in the winter. And that's when I found the joys of of spending my winters in the sunshine, which obviously you have as well. But you are not originally from Ontario. Tell us a little bit about your background and um, and what got you into the short-term rental business in the first place.
1: All right. Uh, I was once in a stand-up comedy club on uh, on Lower Manhattan and uh, we did that. Uh, Mistake of sitting in the first row, someone asked me, tell me about your background, or where you're from, where's that accent? And they ended up calling me World War II <laughs> uh, for the rest of the show. I was born in Sweden, but uh, grew up in Finland. I consider myself Finnish and, and soon to be Canadian, going to be a citizen any day now. Congratulations. Um, thanks, thanks. I'm, I'm about one year behind my wife because of, of COVID. I filled my application two weeks later. Uh, but I lived in, um, and I speak Polish, uh, Dutch. I've been, spent a lot of time in Spain and UK. The last six years, I lived in in Canada.
0: Well, yeah, well travelled, and I can understand why they they <laughs> why they called you that. And kudos for all those languages. I would I would love to be there. That must that must be very very helpful when you're doing all this travelling. Um, so, yeah, lovely lovely that you have chosen Southern Ontario as, as your home. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful province. And cool. uh, I, Well, it's a great place because
1: you get to experience all the culture stuff, at least for us, that's the reason why we're traveling in the first place. I mean, one of our favorite trips within Europe was always going to Greece. We didn't really care too much about uh, the climate or the architecture. It's beautiful and nature as well. We wanted the food, mm-hmm. and the food is important because if you get Greek food – You can get it in Southern Europe, but in Northern Europe, it's very difficult to find good Greek food. But then when I'm in Toronto, I don't need to go to Europe to get authentic Greek food. And I find that absolutely amazing.
0: Yes, you just uh, wander along the Danforth and there it all is.
1: (laughs) Exactly. met many other cultural things. I mean, my wife's Polish. So we like to go to the Polish stores and buy the Polish products in, in Toronto. And that's something you can't go to. If you go to England, it's going to be hard to find the same Polish yes. products. Or if you go to Spain, it's going to be impossible to find the Polish products. But in, in Canada, you have them. And that's, that's why I really enjoy living there. I can travel every weekend to a different country if I choose to
0: love it so what about the short-term rental business how did you get into that you know i mean you you founded a property management software why
1: very good question i bet most people who found a a vacation rental software they're going to say something along the lines of oh i was i was doing this in the vacation rental space i was managing these properties i had these problems that i thought software could solve or be the solution and i'm I'm sure that's the case but in in our case for hostaway We're the exact opposite. We had no idea what short-term rentals are even about before we started HostAway. Now, some of you may think, okay, that sounds like a recipe of disaster, but but hear me out. We did form a property management company and managed a few properties, hands-on. We've been cleaning toilets to get HostAway started just so that we could get the experience you can't get just from talking to people. But I spent the first six months uh, talking to people, basically just interviewing short-term rental property managers on what they're doing day-to-day, what their challenges are. And me and my co-founders, we have a long history of working various tech startups. So for us, starting a technology company is is very natural, but the world of vacation rentals was something that we had to learn from scratch. And since then, we, we have become somewhat experts in the field where even even big companies such as uh, Airbnb and Verbo and, and Booking.com, they listen to us. They ask us for our ideas and our inputs. So it's been uh, quite the journey.
0: Yeah, that that's interesting. You're absolutely right. You know, I talked to a lot of founders of tech companies and most of them you know they all have mostly have the same story you know i started out i had my one pro- one property or my parents had a property and and i had to manage it but uh, i'm not sure that you know you have to clean toilets to to, <laughs> to understand the business but I, I like that approach that you actually you know got in there and and saw what what it was all about i mean there are hundreds and hundreds of property management software companies. And later on, I'm going to talk to you about HostAway and why you believe it is the one that, uh, that we should be looking at and all the features of the platform. But for now, I want to talk about something that you covered in a blog post on your website. And it was entitled, How Can You Use Property Management KPIs for Your Vacation Rental Business? Now, I've got a background in management consultancy and working in the corporate environment, and I know what a key performance indicator is. But I think a lot of people don't understand what these are, how we can use them to make our businesses better. And in fact, I'm very, very rusty because I got the blog post. and I thought, this is great. I'm going to share this with my team. And and we're going to start doing more of this because we haven't been tracking as we should. And I found it a little bit difficult in getting the terminology across to people, understanding the difference between KPIs and metrics. And so I thought I would come to you because I understand that this is, this is in your wheelhouse.
1: Yes, absolutely. One of my hobbies is coaching and men- mentoring other startups. I'm also an, an angel investor. And, and of course, Everyone knows KPIs are important, but it's a topic that when business is good, you probably are tracking the wrong things. And when business is bad, getting out of bed is hard enough, (laughs) but being able to look at numbers that prove to you just how bad your business is, that's even worse. So I just wanted to tell to your your team that if you ever are struggling with feeling that you don't get recognition for the work you're doing or you feel that something you're doing is substantially better than before, but nobody notices it, that's when KPIs plays a role. Or if you feel your teammates aren't performing, or if you feel like one area of the business isn't good, or it has a negative mm-hmm. impact on another area of the business. Let's say if you start working with a new cleaning company, and you can't really pinpoint what they're doing wrong, but you can say that the guests seem to be less happy overall. Mm-hmm then KPIs are numbers that can prove that because quite often uh, as we work or as we try to achieve something like run a business or maybe some, some are trying to achieve just getting home and having dinner for the night, which is already quite a good accomplishment in itself. When we have feelings that something is wrong, it's very important to be able to separate those because sometimes you're right, something is wrong and it should be fixed or at least acknowledged. But sometimes you're just having a bad day. And actually everything is right. It just feels a little bit wrong. Now the KPIs, the numbers, are the ones that can objectively tell you whether something is wrong or whether you're just having a bad day. So that's that's to your team members.
0: <laughs> I like that. That is it in a nutshell. You know, and we've all had our fair share of bad days over the past couple of years. It's it's been just this roller coaster up and down exactly know, you know from our viewpoint we've been this is we're in our third year of, of lockdown in the winter so yeah. we don't have numbers for the third year running in the winter because we've had to shut everything down and cancel everything yet again so I'm guessing you know we we can use in fact you know I know that we can use the numbers from the last two years to show that it really wasn't that bad it yeah, didn't impact our business as much as as it felt like when you're picking up that call and telling somebody that their vacation has been cancelled, and it's really not your fault. It's the government's fault for <laughs> saying you can't go to a cottage instead of, but but you can sit in a nice hut with five other people. But we won't go into that. I think everybody knows how I feel about uh, all that. But uh, yes, it can. It, it sort of brings you back to brings you back to earth, I guess.
1: Absolutely. And uh, one of the most common questions I get asked regarding KPIs is, okay, how do we get started? Mm-hmm. People get excited about the idea of being able to judge their position in the world compared to the outside world based on objective metrics, mm-hmm. not based on how you feel, but based on something that's tangible, like a number. You know, if 10 is good and one is bad and you're doing a seven, then you can objectively say that's pretty good because a seven is much better than a four. But getting started is seems to be often the, the hardest place. I find companies that, uh, even at an early stage, and when I say companies, it can be one person doing one thing. One person renting one cottage out. It's the same as having 10 people renting out 250 cottages. It's, yeah. So when I say company, I refer to that. Um, the easiest way to start is to just set up a spreadsheet and have a column for each month. And I think a month is a good time period Because within a month, you have many things happen only once a month. For example, you close the books for the month only once a month, and you have the the first day of the month only once a month. Two very simple examples. Um, You don't want to track it too often or too seldom. If you track it yearly, there's so much that's going to happen in a year
0: that Mm -hmm. you don't
1: know why the numbers are changing. And if you track it daily, you spend more time tracking the numbers than than actually following up on that. And I find that the hardest barrier to cross is to find some numbers to track. And this is what, what many people get wrong. And I see this especially in the startup community where people take courses about how to found a company and how to get it scaling. And they're all focused on getting the, the KPIs perfect. You don't actually need that. What you need is any numbers that you can think of. So let's say you're a lone founder, you're one person. Well, That's a great number. Put it there. Now it's January 2022. How many employees do you have? One. Next month, we're going to have February. It's still you. Okay, there's another number. One. And the reason you want to do that is that you want to compare that number to other numbers many years down the road. Uh-huh. When you have 200 employees, you want to see okay, in January 2021, I was, we had one employee. And we did this much. We did this much revenue. We managed this many properties. We rented out this many nights. We managed this many cleanings. We had this many reviews, this many complaints, this many maintenance tasks. um, And we did that with one. Now with 200 employees, how has it scaled? That's the reason you want to track as simple as possible, as early on as possible. Because when you start changing things in your business. And that's going to happen when you when you are growing. If you're not growing, you usually don't need to change too much unless the market around you changes. For example, if you were a cab driver with one cab in the 90s, well, in the last 30 years, your life has changed due to outside circumstances. But, I mean, if you've been renting out a cottage on, on Airbnb for 10 years, probably not much is going to change in that field in the next... Coming years. But if you grow, if you go from one cottage to two or to 10 or 20, if you go from one employee to two or 10 or 20, things are going to change dramatically. And you will not be able to tell what are the good impacts and what are the bad impacts of each decision. So when you hire a new employee, things may feel good, but they're actually not. Or they may feel bad, but they're actually good. And that's when you need those metrics. Now, a lot of people spend time on, on trying to get these perfect formulas for getting specific metrics. And, and it's unique for every industry. It's funny, if you look at the insurance industry, they have certain ratios that need to be met. For example, how many people do you have insured every month versus how many file a claim versus how much they pay versus and so on. Banking has different. And of course, short-term rentals has some unique metrics as well. But the key to the whole metrics game and how you can find happiness in your life and how, you know, your team can find out if they're doing well or if they're not or if they should be recognized, if they in fact deserve a bonus. I'm stepping on your toes here, is by figuring out which numbers matter. And you can only get there if you start by tracking numbers, which probably don't matter. I'd say for someone who's a lone entrepreneur, just one person, every month going there and putting in the number one in itself, is not going to bring value, but it will teach you a routine. Every month you go in there, you look at the numbers and one day you'll see a change. One day you wake up, you have hired your first employee and you get to put in number two. And that's when you notice that the routine is there. So you got the routine. But then you can start tracking other things and start as simple as possible. You know, number of properties. How many bookings did you get? How many cleanings did you have? How many guests? How many messages did you send back and forth? How many incidents did you have? And the more you start tracking these, the more routine it gets. Now, that's when the next stage, when you start taking in the formulas and the ratios and uh, the specific KPIs we're going to go into soon, that's when it becomes a lot easier a bit like you've got to learn how to how to crawl before you can walk
0: mm-hmm. um what you were saying brought to mind particularly going back to saying you know a year is too long you don't go back at the end of the year and look at it because there's just going to be too much data and daily is too much but there's monthly and it's something you know we realized a, a long time ago when we have um, you know we've got 160 properties but they that that is a number perhaps at the end of the year how many properties do we have 160 but that doesn't show how many went during the year and how many came in you know that churn rate because that is a that's a really good indicator to look at you know how many properties do you lose in a year and how many new ones do you take on particularly with, in terms of growth because you want to you don't want to lose 10 and take on 10 I mean, there's, there's so many other things and so many other factors in there, you know, as you take on, you lose a $2,000 a week property and you take on a $5,000 a week property. So there's differences there. But we weren't, you know, up until about eight or 10 years ago, we weren't tracking that. We were coming to the end of the year and saying, how many properties do we have? And it, it, yeah. that, that number didn't tell us anything, really.
1: And that, that's exactly what I think you should tell your team. That at that stage, you you found out that the numbers they were tracking, the number of properties, was not the relevant metric to objectify Mm. your feelings. And the risks are quite substantial. Let's say you celebrate a good year, which actually has been a disaster, and you're going to go bankrupt next year. You just don't know it because you're tracking the wrong numbers. If you celebrate there, people are going to be a bit relaxed and take it easy. And then everyone's going to be surprised. Oh, Mm -hmm. why did I lose my job? Why, why did things go belly up? And so you don't want the false positives, but what can be even worse is you might be stressing everyone out. thinking think we need to do so much better because things don't feel right. But if the numbers show that you're winning, you should be celebrating because everyone wants to be a winner and everyone wants to play on a winning team. Yeah. Now these metrics, they will show you when you're on a winning team, but only if you track the right metrics, and the way to getting there is as as you said yourself, checking the number of properties that you're managing at the beginning and end of the year. That's not relevant. What's relevant is how much did you, how many new properties did you get, how many did you keep, and how many did you lose? Hmm. And that's what tells you if you're a winner or not.
0: Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's go into some of these specifics. What should we be tracking? You know, We've looked at um, you know, acquisition and retention and churn rate in properties, but there's plenty of other things that we, we can be tracking. So let, let's have um, just a bit of a list of, of what we could be looking at.
1: Absolutely. So this also depends a bit on your your business model. You know, some property managers, or or let's say where you're focusing on the business at the moment, uh, some property managers are almost exclusively focused on acquisition, very similar to real estate agents, where their main mission is to bring on properties to be managed and then later worry about other things like do they stay or, or so on. Some of them are more lifestyle companies that are limited. If you're in a small geographic region, there's a limited number of properties. You know, you're never going to have 10,000 because there's only 100 cottages in this entire region. Then you should focus more on the quality or, and, and maybe profitability. Maybe you can do the same amount of work, but make double the amount of money. So I would, in addition to, to the churn and retention... Oh, sorry. One thing I was going to say, you don't actually have to come up with these things yourself. These are very easily Googleable. You can Google, and you don't have to go with, with short-term rental or vacation rental metrics. You can just in general just Google for what are good growth metrics if you're into growing, or what are good profitability metrics for companies, and then start using those. So to give an example, um, you just mentioned churn and uh, retention. Those are relevant metrics usually used in service businesses, for example. A cell phone plan would use exactly those metrics, you know, how many customers. But in addition, they would use what is the the average monthly revenue per each customer. And they would also track the number of customers. And in this case, that could be the owner of the property. And what is the revenue per owner? And how many owners do you have? Those are numbers that a lot of property managers don't, don't know by heart. These are numbers you should Someone should be able to wake you up in the middle of the night and ask, how many owners' properties are you managing? What's your average uh, net revenue per owner? And they would have no idea because they don't Mm -hmm. spend every day or every week looking at these numbers and asking themselves, is this a good number or not? Then, of course, you have on a property basis, you want to know how much is the, the average revenue or net revenue or the margins per property. But then you want to look at what is the cost of that revenue so you want to start breaking down because you have, you have costs related to mostly time you know because there's a lot of the costs involved well time and and guests so if you have short bookings you need to schedule more cleanings you need to answer more questions compared to having one month-long booking where for the entire month you have just one guest so you only need to give the checkout instructions once and you only need to schedule one cleaning and these are really good metrics to use because then you can compare it on a property level, and you can compare it on an owner level. And maybe you even start tracking how many times an owner contacts you because that's that's money away from your pocket or it's time away from your pocket. But some owners never contact you. You have to, in fact, chase them down, whereas others have a lot of things going on. You want to track that because that way you can reach the, the profitability Uh, much faster if you figure out which segment of your portfolio is doing well and which one doesn't. Now, then there's a set of KPIs listed in our blog post that are more industry-specific, and those are really good because you can use those as a benchmark against other companies. And let's mention a few of them. So they're very simple ones. Occupancy rate, how many percent of the number of days are booked and when I say booked, it means a booking where people actually pay. That one gives you gives you a rough value because no matter what region you're in, you can find that data either paid or unpaid. So you know if you're booked hundred percent of the month for every property, but other companies, other and you can compare this to hotels to competing property managers. If they're all booked seventy to eighty percent, well then you know something is wrong. And probably you're making less money than your competition is, because it means that you're fully booked because prices are too low. Mm-hmm. Now, another one is the average daily rate. So how much you charge per night. This one is a good indicator because it's, it's a bit like banks use your credit score to measure how good you are. Now, the average daily rate, that's the one measurement that you could tell whether a property is good or bad. Whether it has a beautiful view or or a nice swimming pool or can sleep many guests or has a beautiful kitchen, that doesn't determine whether it's good or bad. But this one number called ADR determines whether a property is good, mediocre or bad. And you can compare that against other properties you have, but also against your competitors' properties. Now, if you take those two together, you get REVPAR. That's revenue per available room. And that's the holy grail of uh, hotel metrics. So hotels, they always use par to measure the healthiness of their business. And it's because it takes the occupancy rate and the daily rate. And, and you can break this down into functions of the staff. Basically, the daily rate, it measures how good your properties are. That depends on A, the reputation. So in other words, the the reviews you're getting. But it also depends on the type and location of properties. So when you have in your sales process, someone reaches out and asks, can you manage this? You need to figure out, is it a good thing to manage it or not? And yeah. you have to say either yes or no. And that determines your, your outcome, your, your ADR. If you say yes in the right places and no in the, in the wrong places, you're going to have a higher ADR. And you can compare that to your competitors once again to find out, did you make the right decisions or not? But then there's a proactiveness of how you market your properties. It's good that you have good reviews, but are you going to go out to the world and tell them, look, we got good reviews? You can also improve the property. You can reach out to the owners and say, you know, a pool table would be really nice. And a hot tub, that would give you this much return on investment. Now, that's when you can increase the occupancy rate and when you take these two factors together, so one is the incoming, you know, who who comes and offers their properties for you to manage. And one is the proactiveness. How how well do you market your value to the world? Those two together become the red part, which should be the single most determining factor of, of your company. And if you add all of that together, you won't find a number that achieves what I explained earlier, where, you know, one of your team members can go home and say, today I did a good job because my rep par is 3% higher than it was yesterday. But this is more of an overall metric that tells you whether the company is doing good. And you can use that as a motivating factor. So let's say a team did a couple of new recruitments and they both turned out to be bad, or maybe some, a key team member quit and people are feeling down for some reason. Um, maybe there's some very tricky guests or an accident at one of the properties and people aren't happy, if you make it a routine to every month, track these metrics, repeat them to people, then when things go downhill, assuming these metrics are still good, you have such a legitimate reason to go out to your staff and say, look, the sun is still shining. Look at our web bar. It's exactly the same as the month before. It's one of the best in the industry. I know we've had some problems recently, but we should all be very happy about where we are today. Mm-hmm. And that's when when you get the real power of these metrics. It's it's not so much that you know where the business is going; it's also that you're able to communicate it confidently in a way that other people understand.
0: Yeah, I suppose you know if you if you think about it from a you know, a, um, a graphical perspective, you could see you know th- th- that. In a summer, you're going up and down and up and down. There's some good days and some bad days. But if you have that trajectory, that line that's going up continuously, I can see that that would be a great way of demonstrating exactly what you've just said.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then you should also, this building out these metrics will depend a bit on how your company is structured, you know, if you're one person. You're going to be doing a lot of different jobs. And what that means is if you have to do something, it's time away from everything else. So you can't really measure a lot of the effectivity. Let's say if someone calls your phone and they want to give you a property to manage, but you don't have time to pick up the phone at all. Well, then you can't measure the -hmm. fact that somebody called you. And you can't measure how many properties you said yes and how many properties you said no to because you never took the phone call in the first place. But if you have a bit bigger organization where you're able to have specialization, for example, you have one person only deals with guests, another person only deals with donors, third one only deals with sales, fourth one only deals with uh, back office, like uh, accounting, maintenance, and so on, then you're able to define these metrics much more. And that's when you can start financially incentivize people to do the right thing which Mm -hmm. is a lot more effective than asking people to please do a good job so let let me give you an example here let's say you you have someone who's dedicated to getting new property owners on board Uh, a relevant metric there first of all you have to know how much money you can make with property yeah and you would do that by calculating the net revenue, so how much is left for you after all the expenses and the owner payout, and then times the lifetime value. Look at your average properties. Do they stay with you one year, three years, five years? Take that times the average amount of money you make every month, and then you have a nice amount, let's say 20000 or 100000 But then the salesperson who works for you, he's going to have expenses, and when he brings in a property, there's going to be expenses related to that. Now, if those expenses are above 100000 that means that every property you take in, you're going to make a loss. And even worse, you're going to have a high upfront cost, and then it's going to take you five years to realize, oh, this was actually a net negative. Yeah. But what you can do is you can financially incentivize that person to get on more properties by paying a bonus. And that way, the average cost per acquired property, uh-huh. will go down. So let's say your overall cost is, I'm just making numbers up, but let's say 10000 a month. That's the cost for onboarding new properties. If you have one property, the cost will be 10000 But if you can get someone and tell them, hey, this month you're going to bring on five properties and I'll give you a bonus of 5000 That means that your acquisition cost, you'll pay the 10000 That's that's what it costs, but then give a bonus of 5000 but then, since you have five properties, you divide fifteen by by five, and you end up with three thousand. So you you remove seventy percent of your acquisition cost by paying five thousand extra, and that's what the employees often want. They want to be paid, paid mm-hmm. extra. But I'm mentioning that as an example because you can only do that if you have the metrics in place. If you know what are the activities people are doing and how does it relate to the money. Yeah, money that is used to run the business.
0: It's interesting you say that. I remember back. Oh, it must have been eleven, ten or eleven years ago. I was on a panel at a VRMA conference, and on that panel, I was asked about my company. It said, "What is your cost of what? What's the cost of owner acquisition?" I didn't know, and I honestly didn't know how to answer, and I fluffed it, and I. It, it was you know I came away feeling you know, here am I sitting up on this panel as somebody who should know what they're talking about. And I could not tell them what our cost of acquisition was. And I came back from that uh, that conference and said, you know, this is something that we have to do for every property we have to know for, you know, for one property or five properties or 10 properties and use those multiples to figure out how much it costs us on a monthly basis, and and that that actual that experience changed a lot in the way that uh, that I looked at metrics.
1: There's an easy, easy shortcut to make sure that you don't run into those surprises ever again, and that's actually you know a lot of companies they don't want to sell, they don't want to raise capital, but if you are somewhat engaged in the investor community this can be you can join an incubator or an accelerator you can go pitch your company to vcs whether you want to raise capital or not is irrelevant but you can even if you're if you're big enough you can go and and pitch your company ask hey does anyone want to buy my company now the reason you want to do that is that they're going to ask you questions and those questions are Way more important than the ones you ask yourself when you look yourself in the mirror in the morning, because they come from an outsider perspective. There's something fascinating with your business. That's good. That's why they're talking to you. But there's something that's unknown with your business, such as in your case on that panel, the customer acquisition cost. Have you tried to sell your company to anyone before you went on that panel? You one of the first questions, you can actually just watch the TV show Shark Tank.
0: Mm-hmm. It's exactly <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, they don't usually go into detail there. I find it a bit sad because all of that happens behind, behind the scenes. Uh, but but had you actually tried to sell a company, that would have been one of the first questions they would have asked. And yeah, so that's, that's an exercise you can do. It's, it's fun. And if nobody's interested, then that's also good information to have. Because then you can ask, okay, what would it take to be interested? Probably what they want to see is some metric that you may not even know existed.
0: A couple of others that um, that I'm interested in, because I think you know, small companies in particular, or perhaps everybody, we've all got marketing and advertising costs, and and tech as well. And I'm forever swayed by bright shiny things, forever buying into the next best thing without really thinking about how that is impacting the bottom line. Because I've paid maybe a lot of money for this thing, and not having those metrics to show how the acquisition of, of that tech or the use of those, those marketing platforms, you know, how is that impacting each transaction?
1: Very good point. Um, I think it's in important to know what what are the bottlenecks that's preventing you to achieve the next step in your goal, uh, in your plan. So businesses, are much easier to run if you have a goal in mind. And I, I speak to, to our customers every day. Most of them, sometimes you have to pry it out, but most of them have a have a pretty clear goal in mind. Maybe they have a short-term goal. They say, by the end of the year, I want to achieve this. Or maybe they have a long-term goal. I'm doing this because one day I want to be in that position. But they're quite objectifiable goals Sometimes they're called visions as well. Um, I, I prefer the term goal because it's more tangible. But those goals can always be achieved with something called a step plan. Now, those are the steps on how to get there. Uh-huh. And you may not know what they are. I mean, let's say you want to climb Mount Everest. For you and me, that's pretty hard because We'd have to go to a different continent. But that's probably step one is figuring out, okay, we're on the wrong continent. How do we get there? And, and this is, when you're building a business, it's, your business is going to be unique from everyone else's because nobody else has built the exact same business. But if you make these steps, you can always adjust them later. Maybe you find out that before going to another continent, you need to get money to buy a plane ticket, to give an example. So you can always change the steps, but having those steps allows you to figure out how to get to the next step. And it also allows you to say, okay, now this step is behind us. Now let's go to the next step. Because businesses often stagnate when they don't realize that they already achieved step one or step five, and they need to go to the next one. Because they continue focusing on improving step five, they will never reach step six. You need to let that mm-hmm. go. Now, I'm mentioning that because every step will have a unique bottleneck. You will hit a wall at every step of the way. Even if you change the steps, you will hit a wall, just like my example there where you find out you need a plane ticket, but Uh that costs money and you can hit the wall. You may not have the money for the plane ticket. Now, you should focus on... Two steps ahead. So you should focus on the challenges you have in this step and then you should talk to other people who have gone through this step and ask them, which challenges did you face in the next step? Because that way you have a very easy time justifying pretty much every decision you make in your business. As long as you have the capability to hire the right people and um, take on right properties or let go of part of your portfolio, invest in marketing, invest in technology. As long as as that will help you get through the current step and the one after, then the cost is is a very... Well, you can do the cost analysis. What will it cost your life if you never reach beyond step five? You got 10 steps in your plan and step 10 is the goal where you want to go. What if you get stuck on step five forever? What will that cost you? And then compare that to the cost of whatever solution you can find to get to step six. That's the way you should treat it. I tried it the other way. I tried, maybe, maybe we can get the best of both worlds. You know, we uh, we do this ourselves and we, we do it a little bit harder, a little bit better. But there is a wall mm-hmm. because it's a free market. There's other people out there. Other companies are going to come in and do it better sometimes you just have to get it done and get to the next step
0: perfect so wrapping this up now Marcus before we talk a little bit about host away what would be your major thing to tell people about the importance of measuring key performance indicators
1: don't stress out about it it is something that can be an absolute savior and like I said earlier it can also it can be a double-edged sword if you're having a bad day, and your numbers are bad. You're going to be disincentivized to look at those numbers. But you you can also make it make it fun. Make sure you have a routine. Take uh, numbers of champagne bottles opened at the office and put that as a monthly monthly KPI. And make sure that number stays above one. And if you don't know why you should open a bottle of champagne, look in your number in your metrics document. Is there anything where you hit an all-time high this month? Well, that's a reason reason to celebrate. This will give you a good reason to keep going back and have everyone going back mm-hmm. to that document. But don't take it so seriously because in the big, especially in the first three years of a business, you should focus everything on making sure you get some customers and keep them happy. That's that's all it takes you won't be able to make decisions that are so important for the future of the company based on these metrics until the company reaches a certain size, let's say 10 employees. But once you do reach that size, if you have that routine to go back to the numbers and constantly think about, is there something here that's not reflecting our business that we wish add or change or remove? If you have that routine, once you start growing, everything will be easier.
0: Okay, yeah, that's that's perfect. I want to talk a little bit about hostaway now because you know, we we all have property management systems and if and I know that, you know, so many of these numbers are already there. They're already there within the data that you're collecting from reservations and listing information. So so if if this seems a little bit overwhelming, just go back to your software, and often you you find those reports that you never knew were available. And I'd like to hear about Hostaway and how Hostaway makes it easier, easy, easier to collect these these metrics and analyze them.
1: Very good. Uh, good question. Yes, yeah, so Hostway is a, is a one-in-all uh, PMS and channel manager uh, specialized in short-term application rentals. And we've also got uh, one of the, the biggest marketplaces in the entire industry. We have over 100 integrated software partners, and a couple of them even call us their preferred partner. These are companies such as Airbnb, Verbo, and Booking.com all say that we are their preferred partner. And we, we provide a variety of tools to, to track these metrics. So you can monitor activities that your guests do, that your employees do, your cleaners. Uh, you can even, at the end of the year, you can download a report on the, the average star rating per cleaner and average hours spent per property per cleaner. You can even go that much into detail. But one thing I wanted to say that makes it a bit different than, than other this is not only for property management software, but software in general. A lot of softwares, they gatekeep the information. So they, they build a system where you input the data, so you're the product. And if you ever want to go, they keep your data as a prisoner and you, you can never leave. It becomes Hotel California. Now, we don't do it that way. Instead, everything that you input into the system or everything that comes into the system by guests or by Airbnb or, or by the cleaners, or by the owners you can download every single piece of information into a spreadsheet and i'm mentioning that not only because it's it makes sure that we we never never become a, a hotel california but most importantly we have built that out because throughout the years so many property managers have asked us how do i get a specific report on this type of data for this filtered by this specific location and this type of property and that's why we have it all available.
0: Yeah, I like that idea. I mean, certainly I know of, of some software that it, it, it's a bit like um, building a website that, that you don't actually own. You know, you've got to make sure that the data that, that you have is your data and that if you move on, on, on somewhere else that you retain that data. So that's, that's really important. What else does uh, does HostAway do that you want to, uh, to share?
1: Well, we uh, we recently partnered with a new OTA that we think is very exciting, especially since we're strong in the in the luxury segment in in North America. They're called uh, Marriott Homes and Villas, mm-hmm. and they have been gaining a lot of market share. And what what a lot of people don't realize is how business travel has has changed radically, but the points market hasn't. So there's a lot of people sitting on a lot of This isn't only the Marriott Bonvoy program, it's also airline miles and points. But basically, people have been accumulating them for years and they keep accumulating them. Business travel isn't dead, but the way they're using them has changed. And especially in the high-end segment, which is why they focus on luxury properties, there are a lot of people sitting on a lot of points. And if they can book a family getaway for a luxury property, they will do it using the Marriott program, which is... Basically, the most innovative thing I've seen in this industry for many years. And I'm, I'm very happy to have them as a partner. They don't have a lot of companies as a, as a partner, about 10 of them right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in 2021, we really invested in our customer support. And at least when you're reading reviews or doing the research online, that's what people usually say uh, that we have the best support in the industry. And that's something that we are making sure we're going to keep because we've grown tremendously. And, um, just last week we had 14 new people starting in, in customer success and, and technical support. And we're actually going to hire another batch of 14 in, in the coming months.
0: That, that's music to my ears. Cause customer support as a property manager, if you've got a problem, you want it dealt with and, and not, yes. not be told that no, we're closed over the weekend and we'll come back to you on Monday. Exactly,
1: exactly. This is this is why I'm, in the beginning I mentioned that we're software people. We, we saw that very early on, that if you're not a software person and you build a software without focusing on making sure that it's possible to scalably and easily mm-hmm. support the users, then you're going to have a hard time. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing right now. And that's what our customers are saying, those that are switching to us from other solutions, is that they're not giving good support. When in fact, it's not so much about the the support personnel, it's it's about the design of the software. If you build a feature that nobody can support and the users can't use it, then you're going to have bad support. Uh And that's one of the trade-offs that we, we simply don't want to do. We want to build any functionality that users need, but only if we can build it in a way so that we easily can give good support.
0: Well that's uh, that's all fantastic to hear and I will make sure that uh, that there is a footnote at the end of the show notes with the host away website also there will be a link to this blog post about uh, using uh, property management KPIs for vacation rental business, because uh, there's a lot in there that we didn't get around to discussing. And I think you'll find that really, really interesting. Marcus, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I'm so glad we got this this opportunity to talk to you about this, you know, what, what's a really important topic and, and also to hear about Hostaway. So thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you very much, Heather. And, and I look forward to being here again.
0: Thank you very much, Marcus Rader of Hostaway. That was a tremendously interesting conversation. Uh, it got it's, every so often I have these conversations and I have to get off the recording and get going on something that we've been talking about. And and for sure, I want to look at you know what we're measuring. Are we measuring enough? And and I think. I need to make it more more interesting for our staff to do that measurement to get them looking at different measures of performance and getting excited about those results. So, I'm super motivated to uh, to relook at all the all the KPIs we use and and get back to my people and uh, and get them going on that. Okay, that's uh, we are just coming up to the hour again. So never wanting to go over that uh, that 60 minutes i'm going to say goodbye and thank you so much again for being with me as ever always love to hear from you if you've got ideas for the show or if you just want to leave me a five star review on the platform that you listen to your podcast on i saw when we were coming up to a million downloads i was looking at a list of all our reviews and i had not really seen them recently. I hadn't gone back to the reviews and some of them were just so lovely. I, I love it. When people do write a review, it makes it really worthwhile doing this. So if you've got a few minutes and and you'd like to write me a review, whether it's on iTunes or wherever else you listen to your podcast, I would love it. I really would. You won't know how great it is to see a review. It's very motivating. Okay, that's it. I am heading out now, probably going to head out over to the beach for a walk. so much nicer than being in Ontario at this time of year. So uh, enjoy the rest of your day and I'll be with you again next week. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you and I look forward to being with you again next week.